thank you for joining me on another episode of She Leads Now podcast, where we help career and entrepreneurial women gain the tools to develop a success mindset, create winning strategies, build collaborative relationships, and take bold action towards creating impact and fulfillment in their lives and careers. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I'm on a mission to awaken and activate women and emerging leaders so they can tap into their innate leadership ability, elevate their influence, and create the impact they were destined to make. If you're ready to up-level your confidence, courage, and influence, you've come to the right place. Join me weekly for insights, strategies, and resources to help you grow, develop, and embody the leader you were meant to be so that you can make the impact you know you are called to make and establish the legacy you've always dreamed. The world eagerly awaits the emergence of your brilliance, impact, and influence. So with that, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of She Leads Now. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I am excited to be bringing you another installment of the series, Lead Hership Reloaded, reimagining, redefining, and rehumanizing leadership. And so I have another amazing guest with me today for this week, a Jennifer Anderson. And so I'll tell you a little bit more about Jennifer and then let Jennifer tell you about Jennifer. So Jennifer has over 24 years as a leadership career strategist, consulting with national and international companies to build their tech leaders into leaders that everyone wants to work for while also reducing employee attrition. She is a sought after speaker about leadership and has addressed many different platforms. She is published in Forbes and is ranking as a top 40 to follow on Twitter. Wow. With that, welcome to the show, Jennifer. So excited to have you here. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Thanks. Absolutely. Okay. So I read the bio, the high level, 24 mm-hmm. years in this in this space. Tell us about your journey. Tell, about, tell us about your career journey that led you to this yeah. place and the work that you do today. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. And so when I, Jillian years ago, when I <laughs> When I was in college, I really, really wanted to live in Europe and I wanted to be an English speaking docent at the museums. And a docent is a person who guides people along and helps them to understand about the artwork. And so so the reason why I bring that up and why that has to deal with leadership is that I had no clue what it really took (laughs) to do that job. I just thought it sounded really cool. I just envisioned myself eating like crepes and having lovely tea or something. <laughs> crumpets. Yeah, crumpets. Just having these and then having fabulous conversations with people about artwork. And and then today, fast forwarding decades later, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like I had this idea that it was going to be all magical and just you know, like imagine glitter and whatever. And it's so not like that. Like that's not what it is. And the and the reason why I bring that up is because over over the years I have I've had the opportunity to be in different leadership positions. And one thing that I find again and again with be it either with my peers at those different companies or now with doing the my consulting that I do is that people like have this idea of something just being all magical, <laughs> just just gonna show up and it's like ta-da, here I am, and it's just all gonna come together. And that's not the case. Like you you have to be intentional about it. And we really need to make sure, like for myself, like 
moving along, there were so many beautiful pivot moments that happens. Like, so for example, when I was in college, I worked in retail and I worked in restaurants because they're open lots of hours. And that worked really well with being a full-time college student. And so as I, as I evolved from those positions, and then I moved into employee engagement and the recruiting world and all of those kinds of things, I was able to bring with me the things that I had from before, all of that interaction that I had with the public, all of that ability to navigate that. Because when you're working retail, you're, you're engaging with the customers. And, and so bringing that forward into, into a corporate arena, it's part of my story of, you know what? We have these unique things about us. It's sometimes I talk to leaders and they're like, I can't acknowledge that stuff I used to do. Like, I don't want anybody to know that I used to work in a cafe on campus. Like, so what? Like, great. Like, what, what can you leverage and bring forward with you? Mm-hmm. And so anyhow, so today, or I should say it was about 2009 is when I decided to do my own company. And that really came from that feeling in my heart of there's more that I can be doing. And the company I was working for at the time, they just were not keen on me doing anything any kind of leadership consulting. And I kept like saying, hey, let's get into this. They're like, no, 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 no. And so it it kind of became one of those moments of like, well, am I going to do it? Or am I going to wait for somebody else to say it's okay to do it? Thank you. So a couple of things that you say that I want to comment on, it's that whole notion that like at 18, right, when people graduate, we just expect them to start adulting and figure out life, right? Like, and it's just like, there's no framework for this, right? So the fact that we even expect people even at 22, right, to know what they're going to do for their rest of their lives, like, that's just such a unrealistic and an unfair burden to put on people. To the extent that they can delay adulting, I definitely highly recommend that. Or even just taking that year off between college and starting to work just to like understand who am I? What do I like? What do I appreciate? What do I value? What makes sense for me? And then kind of like what you did, test some things out to see, do I want to do this? Am I am I attached to this? I feel like we live in the society. The expectation is once you decide on a career or better yet, once you decide on a major, that's it. Like the next 60 years of your life, right? You are in in that. So, okay. So you launched in 2009, right? Like you took that leap of faith because you knew inside of you, there was something deeper that you wanted to do. What has that journey been like for you? Well, it has, my teeth are still attached. So that's good because I got kicked in the teeth on on the daily, right? (laughs) It's not that bad, but it's definitely like, whoo, okay. And so, and I've had, I've had pivots and kind of like redirections, if you will, that have either come because there were enough of my customers who are like, Hey, can you do this? I'm like, yeah, let's, let's move toward that. Right. And then I'm like, no, no, I want to do those things or just some like different pieces and parts. And so I think one of the biggest pivots and, and things that really sculpted where I'm at right now is in 2019 when I was diagnosed with colon cancer. Mm. And that led to having about nine inches of my colon surgically removed. And then that led to six months of chemotherapy because the cancer had spread enough that they're like, we're going to zap your whole body, right? Which for anybody who's done chemo, it's like freaking 
horrible. It is, it, it's just not a good idea <laughs> at all, right? Because it's just makes you so sick. It's, it's ridiculous. And, um, and then I, I came out of that successfully healthy. I'm, I'm still in this, there's this five-year window that they give you before they will say, okay, you're good. It's what's referred as NED, which is no evidence of disease. So I'm, I'm still in the last couple of years of that, but I'm feeling good. I'm getting my checkups and, and all this stuff. And when, when cancer was identified, it quickly woke me up to this place of what the heck am I doing? How am I spending my time? Right. As a, as a business owner, I'm also married. I've got a kid at the time she was four. And so, so I had these moments of facing down my mortality too. I'm thinking what, what I'm doing with my business is this, how I want to be spending my time. Mm. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the boss here. Is this what I want to be doing? Right. And so it really woke me up and I, and and for anybody who might be listening who understands about like a tree, right? Like you can imagine like a big tree. Think of something large, like an oak tree or something with big, well-established branches, if you will. I got to the point where I was like taking a chainsaw and I'm like hacking off limbs. I'm like big, like so it's like, let's let's cut this down, right? Let's 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 really get focused in on where are we spending time? And so that was really easy to do at the beginning of my cancer journey because it was very obvious to be like, well, I feel like crud. I'm not going to be available to do trainings and coaching, right? Because I, yeah. I was doing chemo. I mean, it, was, it was horrible. And so it was very easy to shut things down, right? I was like, nope, 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 nope. And then, and then as I came out of it, it was like, ooh, do I want to let that branch grow again? Do I like that? enough to still spend my time on it. So one, one gift of that major eye-opening experience of being in cancer, the gift to me was getting more focused on what essentially I want to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how do I, how do I want my, to be spending my time and then also paying for people who work for me to spend their time. Right. And so that was really helpful to go through that experience and not allow those things to come back. Because you can kind of imagine, like, if you've ever seen a tree where, like, they cut, like, a little branch tries to grow again, like, mm-hmm. in that spot, I was like, no, 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 thank you very much. But it's a lot easier to cut it back when it's that little sapling piece, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. and then now I'm at the point where I'm I'm no longer cutting things back with a with a chainsaw, so to speak, it's more of like an exacto knife saving. So it's like, okay, I'm going to cut this little, these little pieces and parts out because that's not serving me. That's not how we want to take care of our customers or whatever. And so it's really, it's, but the only way I could have gotten here was having had these last 13 years of experiences and knowing, oh, I've loved that kind of customer engagement. Ooh, this one over here, this one's cringeworthy. I'm, I refuse to work with that customer or that type of customer, right? Right. And so, like, still had to allow myself. Like, it's nice to have had that background, right? So then, now when I'm making decisions, it's like, nope, I don't want that anymore. Or yes, more of that. How do we get more of that? And what are the things we're going to do to nurture that part of it? Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing about your journey. And I'm I'm happy to hear that you are in a great place and are continuing down that path. That is amazing. And then you 
You brought up a really great point around sometimes life <laughs> throws up us these curveballs and there you found the blessing in it. Like you talked about the blessing in it being that it allowed you the space that you needed to really look at life and decide to live it intentionally versus by happenstance. And so I, I applaud you for doing that in a space where your mindset could have been anywhere. But it sounds like the through that process, now that you've kind of honed in who you want to work with, like you have a great foundation on your business. So tell us a little bit about a little bit more because you work with leaders, right? Like you do a lot of leadership coaching and a lot of leadership training. So tell us a little bit more about that, that training aspect and, and what your philosophy is around leadership and how you help to build leaders. Sure, absolutely. So I tend to work with a lot of people in tech. So when I say that, I don't want you thinking like small startup tech groups. It's not like that. I tend to work with larger companies, corporations that have thousands of employees. And so on an average, they're going to be um, large technology teams. So these are going to be like 500, 1,000 people in a company. They're just doing tech. And then on top of that, you're going to have other people doing operations and sales and marketing and all the other things, right? And so when I'm working with a tech team like that, a lot of times a, a CTO who's at, the, who's at the top of that heap, or that might be the CIO, right? Who's at the top of that tech heap. They're looking at their organization, their organizational chart, and they're saying, oh boy, what are, these people are not doing what they need to do so that we can really enable our workforce so that they can, that our people can thrive. And, and the reason why that has happened is because there are a lot of people who started in tech, they were good at their jobs. So then they got promoted because they were good at tech. Right? They weren't necessarily great at interacting with people. <laughs> so I just laugh about it because I often say, it's like, okay, people, I need you to love on them. In an HR appropriate way, okay, let's put that caveat in there, okay, <laughs> but you need to you need to really recognize that your people are valuable. They're very, very important. And so so that from a from a leadership philosophy, it's, okay, who are you as a leader? Let's get that defined really big on helping them figure out their personal brand. It's I've been talking about personal brand since like 2011. It's nice that more people are actually talking about it now. But um, so it's like, what is your brand? And then let's bring that to the table. And as a tech leader, I don't care if you're doing a one-on-one -on -one with a coworker or a direct report. If you're if if you're working with maybe a stakeholder, maybe talking to somebody from the accounting team because you're building out a software that's going to support that accounting team to have success in the company, things, whatever that may be. I don't care who you're having a conversation with. But before you can have those effective conversations, who are you? What makes you unique as a leader? Let's bring that to the table. So I'm a big fan of just let's throw out the cookie cutters. Let's just, Let's get rid of it. Okay, because each person is so individual. And here I'm like, I just shared my story about cancer. There have been plenty of my clients who have dealt with issues in their lives or a very close family member, right? So mm -hmm. it could be a medical thing, they could have gone through a divorce, they could be dealing with financial issues. There could be, I mean, I've had clients who are in the United States and they have family members who are in other countries and they haven't seen them in years because of the pandemic mm -hmm. and borders being shut down. Right. And so, so those kinds of, it's like people are alive, but they just literally, they can't connect. Right. 
and so includes so many issues. So this is where I'm all about what makes you unique. Let's bring that to the table, embrace it, leverage it as much as we possibly can, because it's a lot easier for them as in person, as in, as, as the leader, it's a lot easier for them to embody that and to live it, right? So it's really helping them to understand the narrative around who are they, how do they get to this point, mm-hmm. and then how are they going to share that going forward? And so, but I do use personal brand as like, that's a key thing. Let's determine that first. Let's yeah. get that figured out. And there's a whole process I take them through to make sure their brand's nailed down and all my clients love it. That's so funny. Bill, I'll talk with them later and they'll say, I didn't realize how much this really is a thing. And now they're like, totally. Okay. I got it. This is my brand. This sounds I'm like perfect. Good. Right. And it's natural to them. It feels really, that feels really good to them. I, I like to call it the SME syndrome, the subject matter expert syndrome, because you see it happening all the time. And to an extent, it, it, it's a testament of the subject matter experts who get promoted, right? Like they're they're able to do the job, but then it's almost like, well, how do we prep them for the other side of it, right? And in terms of leading others. And I love your your philosophy and the foundation that you set around, let's let go of business acumen and let's let go of all these other things and get down to the heart of who are you as an individual? What do you believe? What is your, to your point, what is your brand? What makes you you? Because I think foundationally, we have a lot of people and just in society in general, right? Like we, we see a lot of personalities, we see highlight reels, we see all these things. And so we try to become or embody aspects of other people that may not be true to us. Um, And certainly the corporate doesn't always necessarily create that space or give room for people to explore. Well, who am I? Right. Who am I? Because you walk in the door and there's an immediate corporate persona. I don't know about you, but I definitely had that. Right. As soon as I walk in the door, I'm corporate Sabine. And then outside of my life, I'm whoever or not whoever, but I'm me. Yeah. And that is so hard because it's hard to keep that up. Right. It's exhausting. You can wake up and be like, oh, hold on. It's Wednesday. Okay. This will be this version of saving, right? <laughs> like then, it's, Oh, it's Sunday morning. Oh, okay. I'm going to be this version. Yep. Super exhausting. It is. No, thank you. No, 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 no. And I'll tell you, it's funny. I've been talking about this stuff long before cancer showed up in my life. And then when cancer showed up, it's like, it's like, da, 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 here. Here's, here's this thing we're going to show you like the, and, and, and it was fascinating to me to see how many people reached out to me from my personal life in my business circles, in my church, like just all the people. And then just to see, wow, okay. They, they have felt that love for me, that genuine, cause I'm always about like, Hey, let's help you. Let's help you be better. Right. Yeah. And so my brand is activate. I'm all about activating people. And so, but it was, it was really fascinating to see like, Oh, across the board, all these tips. So whatever version of Jen that woke up on Sunday morning versus Wednesday morning, I was still the same person. Mm-hmm. And so I was really, really grateful in that moment to then have it mirrored back to me, right? So that's what I mean. It's like, oh, here's the mirror back, mm-hmm. right? And to say, oh, okay. Yeah. We do have 
good, solid relationships. And that's because of being that same person across the board in all of those roles of my life. And so that's what I want for the people that I work with. Like do that because it's sustainable as an individual, right? But then other people know who you are. They know how to interact with you. They know what to expect. And as a leader, that's a big deal. So I'm a I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach, love leveraging strengths finder. I think it's super helpful. One of the things that Gallup figured out is that there are four things our followers want from us, which is trust, compassion, stability, and hope. Mm. Those are the four things that our followers. So as a leader, if people need to trust you and they need to trust what's going on, well, then you better darn well know who you are so they can trust that so they can follow you, Right. Or with that compassion part, right? Well, how can you be compassionate with people if my whole thing is you need to be compassionate with yourself first in order to be compassionate with others? And in fact, I have a book about that that's coming out. It's called Call for Compassion. And it is specifically that have compassion for yourself first, and then you can have compassion for others. It's really hard to give people the benefit of the doubt. For example, if you're over here with all that negative, horrible talk that we do to ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Just that. Ah, we're like, it's bad, 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 all this negative stuff in our heads. And so, so anyhow, where I'm going with that is if you want to be that great leader, if, okay, my people need that from me, all the more reason than to be consistent across the board. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful gift to get to your, to give to yourself, to be in that place. But it's also it's a journey. It's a process. Right. And in some cases, like life forces you to do it. And in other cases, maybe you've made the decision to make that change. But it's certainly being on the other side of it is just like, oh, my gosh, there's such peace here. But there is still a journey that you have to walk through with that. And so that's a perfect segue as we think about just the the last couple of years, right? Like the pandemic, right? It gave everyone literally globally an opportunity to take that pause and to assess like, who am I? What matters to me? What's important to me? And it was clearly the more people started doing that, we started to see the shifts, right? We saw the shifts where people were leaving the workforce, predominantly women, we're leaving the workforce because of all of the things, the responsibilities that they had. We see shifts where like millennials are leaving the traditional workforce and stepping into this gig economy. Gen Z, while they're only 5% in the workforce, 50% of them are like, we don't want to do this. And so you're mm-hmm. starting to see, well, maybe not starting to see, but I feel like there's an acceleration of this awakening within people to say, you know what, I get to choose how I'm going to be and whatever, whoever I was being is not necessarily who I want to be anymore. And now they're realigning who they are, the essence of who they are with the work that they do. And so with that, as we're, as we're this theme and this topic around leadership reloaded, the whole basis of it was because so many women have stepped up and said, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do all the things, right? I, I want all the things, but you know, that, 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 what was it? You can have all of the things, but not all at once or something like that. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. (laughs) Something to that point. And it's that notion that like, yes, they still want to be successful in their careers. Yes. They want to be successful parents. Yes. They want to be caregivers and all that other stuff, but they want to do it on their own terms. So I'm curious, just based on your, your experience, your interactions, and for someone who walked that well before the, the pandemic, Based on what we're seeing, what is that what is that signaling to you in in terms of how you are approaching the work that you do with your clients and certainly how you're approaching leadership development? Sure. So, you know, this I I've, for so many years, I've always had this perspective. This is before the pandemic. Right. I've had this perspective of but what's the outcome of what we're doing? Right. It's the so what factor. OK, so I'll, I'll give you an example. I was. In the office of the CTO, we were talking about some of the issues that were going on with finding talent. So it's like, okay, let's talk. Let's talk about like what, what's the perception. All we're anyhow. This wasn't just one conversation, but in that particular day, we're sitting in the office. We're talking about this, and the door was open to his office. And just outside of his door is, I think there were two ping pong tables, if not three. Okay, so just right outside of his door, kind of this big open area. And then you kind of go down a little bit to the side, and then there were some office spaces and whatnot. But this was right outside of his door. And I just looked at him and I and I pointed out the door and I'm like, who's out there playing ping pong right now? And so we get up from the desk and we like kind of like very casually look around like the corner, just like just an eyeball around the corner. And there was like six six or eight of the software developers who were out there playing ping pong. And, and I said, I said, okay, so how, how long have they been playing ping pong? And cause we're, we're talking about outcomes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, I don't know. He's like that ping pong table's going all day long. And so, and I said, so you're wanting to hire cause you need to get work done. But the people who are working for you are spending their time playing ping pong. Like what, why? And so we get into this conversation around like, what's the point if the people you're working for aren't engaged and aren't wanting to do the work? Mm-hmm. Why go recruit and get more additional people to come in? And so where I'm going with all of this is that I think the more we're we're coming out of this pandemic, so we're in the, in the endemic stage, right? And so we're in this place of, it's like, Back in the day before we had the flu and then the flu became a thing, then it became it became endemic, right? Where everybody's getting flu shots, right? So yeah. we're kind of in this stage of like COVID. Okay, we're past the pandemic, right? So now we're in the endemic, people are getting shots and we're kind of back to a new reality, right? But then there's this, oh, but it taught us it doesn't work to micromanage people to have to sit at a desk and work nine to five. That's not how those people want to live their lives, mm-hmm. right? Yes, they want money. Yes, they want cars. Yes, they want to travel. Yes, they want all the things, right? Okay, but they don't want to work in that. So then I keep coming back to what I've been talking to people about for many, many years, but what's the outcome? So manage to the outcome, the desired outcome, mm-hmm. right? And so with one employee, that might require them being at work Monday through Friday, nine to five, because that's what works for that person. But then somebody else, it works better for them to work part-time because maybe they're working a three-hour shift 
maybe they don't roll out of bed until 11 o'clock in the morning. They exercise, eat lunch, and they're they're at it from like, let's say one to six or something like that. Okay. So that's five hours of work, mm-hmm. right? But they're killing it during that time and they're getting it done. But what great. Who can, I, to me, I'm like, I don't care. Have the nine to fiver and the one to sixer. I don't care. It's the outcome. What is the outcome? And this is where I take it back to the leader. If you are not clear about the outcomes and the goals of really what you're trying to accomplish, right? Then how on God's green earth can you manage these people? Right. How can you give them guidance and direction if they don't understand ultimately the vision? Right. And so there's going to have to be a shifting toward this. So, so that's where I'm so I'm sharing that story with you because this is something I've noticed long before the pandemic showed up and long before the whole great resignation and now quiet quitting and it'll be called something else again in six months. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. Right. It's, but if you're not clear about the goals and then, then it keeps rolling right on up to the CEO or maybe the board of directors. Right. So they're not clear about things. Then, then that messiness cascades down through the organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you bring up a a really great point, right? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about the resignation and quiet critting and pause and all that other stuff, but there's a lot of talk within organizations of how do we upskill and uplevel our leaders to be able to manage in this new normal, right? In this hybrid environment, this remote environment, because for many who are in leader leadership positions now, it was everyone comes into the office. And even if it was remote, right? Like there were, there were boundaries put in place. And so I feel like this is a, this is a, a place of awareness for leaders to really start processing and really challenge themselves to think differently around how they set expectations, what expectations they set, and then how they decide what are the outcomes. I think back to most of the roles that I've had, I'm just a natural self-starter, right? So I didn't need anyone to like handhold me, right? Or it's just like, okay, well, what are we trying to achieve? All right, great. Got it. I'll do the work. But we all know that not everybody operates in that same space. And leaders are really, really challenged now to understand that, okay, well, this is how Sabine operates. Maybe this is how Melissa operates. And this is how Jennifer operates. And this is, and they have to adapt to that. So if you could just talk a little bit more just in, in practical terms of how do we shift that mindset, that thinking, that understanding in leaders to move away from, okay, this is how we've done it before, but now I have to be the one to set outcomes and how do I manage to outcomes versus managing to time in the office, FaceTime as they used to call it, or performance metrics specifically. Right. Well, I think the first easy thing for people to do is just when they are done listening to this episode to stop and just say, what are our company goals? Start there. And if you, as a leader, or even as as a performing individual contributor, you don't know what those goals are, if you can't articulate, or if you can't very quickly with a couple clicks, get to where those goals are somewhere in your company intranet or wherever it is, you know, something, if you can't get to it right away, then start with that bottleneck, my friends. Let's just flat out make it simple and easy. What are our goals today? And then, okay, you're like, yeah, I got it. We're good. Here, click, click. It's right here. Some companies have it. 
employees have it as like their wallpaper on their laptop or whatever. I mean, it could, it's a number of different things. There's different ways to do it. I've seen it on name badges, right? Like you're walking in the office and you got your picture and your name, right? You flip it over and you've got your goals right there. Perfect. Which is very helpful because you're in a team meeting, flip it over and be like, oh, okay, this thing we're talking about doing doesn't align to one of these goals. Why are we doing it? You know what I mean? And so you can do things like that just to make it like put it right very quickly at the fingertips of the people. Yeah. And not the fingertips of the executives, not the fingertips of the board of directors who went on some kind of monastic retreat in the mountains and came up with the lovely goals and the vision and la la la. Flashbacks. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a retreat, but let's just come out of it with something that's actually helpful for people. All right. Let's do that. And so, but where I'm going with it is just start with that because you're asking for something super practical. Just start there. And then, and then if it's not that easy, okay, how do we make it easy? Right. For people just to get to the goals. And then from there, infuse that into conversations, make it a part of the agenda, make it part of your one-on-one meetings, right? So when you're meeting with your people, tell me about the goals. What are your goals as an individual? How do those tie to our team goals? How does that tie to our division, to our company overall? Yeah. And if you're, if you're direct report or you as a leader, if you can't articulate those different layers of goals, that's your next bottleneck, right? You bring something back to my attention here, especially like back in the day, it would be to your point, that whole like goal setting process that happened at the tippity top. Right. And then it was disseminated throughout the organization and every leader of whatever the function was had to look at these broad scale organizational goals and figure out how their department could create goals that align to that, that would meet that overall goal. Right. And it was always this process where like, by the time I got it, right. It was almost like, I don't, I don't, there was no connection back to the larger organizational goals. Right. It was just like, okay, this is what the department stuff is. And to be honest, like, I'm going to make up some stuff that sounds like it aligns in, in that process. And so based on my experience, just me sitting through it, me guiding clients through it, there's there's really not that great of an understanding of what it means to set goals in organizations, right? Like at, I feel like at the top level there is, but once you start trickling down in the middle and lower levels of the organization, people are just doing it just to do it because it's part of an annual process or whatever whatever the case may be. And so as you were talking, I'm like, Yes, that that makes absolute sense to start with goal setting. But then I also know so many people don't know how to set goals that matter or goals that tie back to a specific outcome. So how do we close that gap? How do we help leaders close that gap? Because I think that that's that's I feel like that's really step one. (laughs) Let's get clear on Mm -hmm. what is the gap in understanding of, hey, here's this high level goal how does that apply to me and my department? How do I disseminate it down? And then how do I help them understand what the outcomes are? Sure. I think a lot of it comes back to what's the promise of that company? What is that company promising the the world? Mm. Meaning their customers, right? What are they, what are they doing for their customer? And so as soon as we stop losing sight of why this company exists, 
That's that promise, right? The promise to what we're doing. As soon as we lose sight of that, because we get so far down in, like I mentioned at the earlier, I'm working with these big companies, hundreds of thousands of employees. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed things have changed since that founder started that company. <laughs> right. Okay. As it should. You know what I mean? I started my company 13 years ago. Things have changed, right? And so, but if you've forgotten, if you've become so disconnected to what that promise is of what you're wanting to do, then yes, it's going to be very hard to determine the goals. Yeah. Right. Then you start getting into things like, oh, we want to operationalize system, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, give me a break. You know what I mean? Yes. No, 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 no. Right. And then all of a sudden, all your like millennials and your Gen Zers are like, oh, it sounds like mom's chore chart on the fridge. I don't want to do it. Right. Totally makes sense. (laughs) But if changing it instead of saying, what's that thing we promised? How can we in our different roles help to reinforce and support that promise? Then people actually kind of get excited and start to see people lean into like, oh, okay, my role in whatever department, right? And that, that's like, then then you start to see that difference. But I just think that there are too many people like, ooh, like, especially for me, like I'm working with lots of people in tech. They're like, I'm in tech. I don't deal with the customer. I leave that to marketing and sales. And I'm like, What? <laughs> Are you so far disconnected? You don't realize that with customers, that's how you get a paycheck. I'm mm-hmm. like, hello, hello. And so, but that's what has happened. And and it's to me, it's not the individual contributors' fault. It's the leaders' fault. They're forgetting to remind people, this is what our promise is to our customers. So now, how are we going to back that? Like, what are we going to do to support, etc. Yeah. So. I love the fact that the focus is on the the end user, the customer. In, in other situations, it'll be like, well, what are the values or what are the what's the company mission and how does that align to that? I'm yeah. curious. And, and just because of the, the context of this particular series, given the fact that you are working with these tech companies. Right. And we know mm-hmm. historically and even to this day that they're. Mo- those seats are mostly filled by men and like women are slowly starting to like make their way up the ladder. So for the women who are listening to the show and certainly who are coming into this awakening and this understanding of their identity as leaders and who want to show up differently and who want to make a greater impact, whether it be in their organizations or in their businesses, what have you seen working overall for people who are looking to progress their careers that women specifically can begin to apply so that they can advance, so that they can get the clarity, so that they can build the leadership competencies that they need to be successful? Mm -hmm. I think that, okay, so part of it comes back to the thing I shared before that I'm really passionate about helping individuals understand who they are, make sure they're clear in their personal brand. So that's where I would go. That's where whenever I'm working with any of the women, it's like, okay, what what is your personal brand? And there are a lot of them who are unwilling to define that. They're still waiting for somebody else to say, bippity boppity boop, here you go. You know what Bippy Bobby Boo was from, right? Our little fairy godmother. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Be your own fairy godmother, honey. You know what I mean? Figure this out. But but uh, there's so many of them, they're like, but I don't know what I want. 
Mm. Right. I'm not sure. Do I want to start a family? Do, do I like when I'm like, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Like who knows what roles are going to come into your life? You know what I mean? I'm talking about what's that brand, right? What do you really want to be known for? And so, so what I'm seeing is that there are more women who are, who are really waking up to like, Oh, Oh wait, I don't have to wait for somebody else to tell me this is who I am. I can, I can make that. I can define it. And then when they wake up on Wednesday or Sunday morning, they know who they are and all the places and all the things, right? Right. So there's some of that. But the other piece too is I think the more that women are championing other women and the more that we're leveraging men who are championing the other women, that makes a huge difference. So I've just have seen a lot of this, the, the shifting, especially in the last five years where there are a fair amount of men who are saying, no, this has got to get better because my daughter's going to enter the workforce one day and I am going to be darned if she's going to be dealing with being marginalized because she's a woman, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so that, that has, there's been a big enough shift around, around that piece too. And so, so it's a, it's all fine and dandy for, You'll see like these employee resource groups and companies are like, oh, women and we're loving on each other. I'm like, that's good. But again, you're not the only person working. <laughs> like if it's an all woman company, okay, great. But if there are men that are working in the company, who are the guys who can help champion that yeah. stuff too, right? And so then it's then it's working together. And then it, and then it's getting away from like, oh, you have to give this to us because we have a uterus. No. No, no, that is no, that's not why. Right. And so, and then it drives the conversation in a different place. This isn't about body parts anymore. Right. And so once we get past that stuff, then I really feel like, okay, we can start to shift to this place of the company is going. It's like the old old adage, when water comes into the bay, all the boats rise. It's not like just one boat rises. Right. It's like all of us can rise together, regardless of who you are. Yeah. I think foundationally, uh, in terms of like what I've seen throughout my career when I was even in HR. I, I agree with you in terms of like, you're, you're right that it really shouldn't be about body parts, but I think inherently there are some societal messages, right. That for a woman to even be at the place where she's just like, okay, I'm going to figure out what my brand is. This is my brand. I'm going to own it. I'm going to advocate for myself. It's almost like going back to the leadership piece, right? Some foundational skills, some foundational beliefs and some foundational, I don't know, seeds of confidence telling someone like, yeah, you're confident, like you're super confident, you're whatever is one thing, but that person really believing it and embodying it is another piece of it. Right. And so I do feel like that as a society and workforce and whatnot, like there is opportunity for us not to just deal with the surface level surface level actions, if you will, but to really get at the heart of why don't women often feel comfortable speaking up or advocating for themselves? Mm-hmm. Why will, I, I think the, the statistic is something to the effect of like 68% of women will read a job description 
and they will see that they didn't they don't meet 100% of the qualifications and not apply but yet men will see 30% and apply so I, I think there is an opportunity to look at some of these deeper messages and deeper beliefs and how do we change that because I, I truly believe and you know this as a coach once you can help someone change their self belief that that changes the game for them and how they show up in every area of their life Right. Absolutely. I remember years ago when I read the book, women don't ask. Mm. And so, so many good nuggets in there. Right. And so, and at that point I wasn't even a mom yet. And, and I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so now I, I, I have a seven-year-old daughter and I'm like, okay, husband here, you need to read this book. Right. Because a lot of it too, are the ways how we train our children at a young age. Right. And so then it becomes like, you can't, you can't change somebody's wiring when they're 25 years old and entering the workforce or 35, 45, 50. You don't, you can't go back, right? So I think it is important for each of us as an individual to recognize what are those things that we're doing and, and how we're communicating, right? So, so for example, my my husband did not grow up in a family that thought about career development. They can't, there were a lot of government workers. You get in your job and you just cruise through until retirement and then you collect your, your social security, right? So I remember one day explaining to him because right, somebody was talking to a teenager and they had said to them, when you grow up, what do you want to be, right? And that was very normal for him mm-hmm. to hear this conversation, right? And so and I'm like, time out. <laughs> be? like. I, I hope you you are a good human being. <laughs> you are kind and you show compassion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about doing for work? Like what initially sounds interesting to you right now as a teenager, which by the way, it's going to change later. But you know what I mean? But like, like, and, and he's like, I never thought of it that way. He'd never thought. And so he's like, holy cow. He stopped and he kind of took an assessment. He's like, how many times, this is my husband talking, how many times have I said to a teenager inadvertently, what do you want to be when you grow up? Just completely, just that one little shift in his thinking, right? So today, our little seven-year-old daughter, cute little first grader, and she says, you know what I want to be when I grow up? So I don't even have to say it anymore. My husband's like, nice. No, honey, we're not talking about what you're going to be for because she's learning about different mm-hmm. jobs and she sees things you know, and whatnot. And so I think right now she wants to be a vet. Who knows how long that's going to last. But the point is, and so, and so it starts at that early age. So that those are things that we can do, right, for the up and coming generation. But then it also, the more we're aware of it, the more we are aware of it, then when we're in those adult to adult conversations. Yes. So then it becomes, you're working with a coworker, she's complaining, oh, I'm feeling like I'm not getting the opportunities, I just don't know what else I need to do, right? And so it's that kind of those, and hopefully you're working with people who are willing to have those conversations, because that means you are a good person, right? And they're willing to connect with you. Yeah, I love that, that reframe and that shift away from or that separation from doing and being right. And you're absolutely right. We, we ask that all the time. I can't tell you how many times I got asked that as a kid and the Lord knows I I had some scars for not being what I told my parents at eight, I was going to be right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like to your, (laughs) so 
so to your point, that is something as small as that, something that is just so natural for us to say to children that we can start to shift that. And then also ask ourselves. I have this one coach where he's his question is, what do you want? Forget do, forget be, forget have, forget any of that. What do you want? And it just opens the gates where you are including what you want to be, do, have, but those aren't the anchors, right? So I, I could keep talking to you for forever here, but this has been so rich. And, and now, especially with that question of what do you want to be, that's going to, that's going to change the way that I talk to my niece and my nephews. For sure. And any other kids I come into, into contact with. So real quick, I want to do this blitz session here. So as we think about, as you think about all of the lessons that you've learned in your life to this day, if you could go back to a younger version of yourself and give her a piece of advice based on what you've learned, what would you share with her? Oh, great question. I would share with her that there's two things I would share with her. Is that okay if I say two? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, you are a daughter of heavenly parents and they love you and they are going to help you succeed. Mm. Secondly, in that success, there will be the right people that will show up at the right time. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes up. Don't let the burden of life push you down. Just keep just keep looking ahead and pay attention to those cool people and you'll feel the zing of, oh, that's a person I need to talk to. Oh, wow. I felt like I needed to hear that today. <laughs> So thank you for sharing that. So I'm a big fan of books and book recommendations. So I'm curious, are there any books that you have read or a book in particular that sticks out to you to be kind of like pivotal? Oh my gosh. It's like asking me to pick a favorite child, right? I'm like, I'm like there's a whole library of books. Oh my goodness. I think if I, for leaders specifically, one that I'm really, really hot on right now is it's by John Mark Comer and it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's fabulous. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think we need to slow down. I think it's all about this. It's recalibration, right? Yeah. So love that. So we'll definitely include that in the show notes. And Jennifer, if people are interested in connecting with you, learning more about the work that you do, and certainly partnering with you in some capacity, what's the best place for them to connect with you? My website is movingforwardsolutions.com. Awesome. And you're also on LinkedIn, I believe as well. They can connect with you there. Awesome. Well, sure, yeah. yeah. If you come to the website, that'll take you to all the things because I'm on YouTube and I've got podcasts and all this stuff, but movingforwardsolutions.com. That's the easiest way. One-stop shop. I love it. And you mentioned earlier and I caught it. You have a book coming out. So tell us a little bit about that. Right, for sure. The book is called Call for Compassion, and it's written in a parable story type. And basically, the idea behind it is let's have compassion for ourselves, and then we can have compassion for others. And so this came, it was quite honestly, it was a a divine download. It was a 3 a.m. conversation with God, and he told me it is, we need to have a call for compassion. So I wrote all this stuff down. And then I went and looked and, and so it's, 
it's one of those things that as I'm looking around, the need for compassion is deep and far and wide, and we need it. And we need to start with ourselves. And I cannot tell you how many times I'm in coaching calls or in training sessions, and I'm just flat out not hearing people lean into how can we be more kinder and more compassionate with each other. And so I'm excited to bring this to life because it's it's an important thing that we're doing. And and I, I want to make sure people understand we need to start with ourselves. Yep. And so that's the call for compassion. Let us hear it for ourselves. And then let's let's echo that and be supportive to other people. And when somebody's complaining about somebody else, maybe stop. Time out. What's really going on? Right. Because yeah. that person themselves, they're hurting. That's why they're complaining. But then whoever they're complaining about, something's going on. Right. So let's get to the let's get to the root of it. And that's how I think individual contributors can be leaders, right? They don't have to wait until, oh, I'm gonna wait till the manager, they're gonna fix it. No, me as an individual, what can I do to lean into this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-compassion is so huge. I read a or I started reading a book last year on self-compassion, and the the author was talking about depending on your situation, right? Many of us don't even know how to self-soothe. And in it, she just gave a simple example of like, when you find yourself having a hard time, right? Give yourself a hug, right? Mm-hmm. Like give yourself a hug. I, girl, I was on the couch reading and I was like, oh, let me give myself a hug. Bawling. Like I just started bawling in that moment. And it's just, you're absolutely right. We don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) I'm learning what -hmm. self-compassion looks like. We talk about grace, right? I'm always telling people, give yourself some grace. I'm always trying Mm -hmm. to remind myself to give myself grace, but that self-compassion, man, that, that is, that is huge. It goes such a long way. So I can't wait to read the book. And and when is it scheduled to launch? It should be available in Q1. Awesome. Awesome. So we will have the title in the show notes. So depending on when you're listening to this, you may be able to just find the link and I'm assuming it'll be on Amazon as well. You can search. Yeah. You can search for it on Amazon. So with that, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge for the audience. I will be back next week with another amazing woman leader to chat about leadership reloaded and what that looks like in this post pandemic era. If you have questions or if you have thoughts or a has, please feel free to reach out to me at support at sabinegideon.com. Otherwise, I will see you next week. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She Leads Now. If you found today's episode helpful or got a piece of insight that you plan to implement in your business or organization, I would love to hear from you. Connect with me on LinkedIn at Sabine Gideon, that's my handle, and send me a private message or feel free to go ahead and leave a review on either Apple or Spotify. I also invite you to share this episode with anyone in your network who you think might benefit from this content. Lastly, be sure to check the show notes and the description below for links to resources, including relevant downloads, articles, and any upcoming training. Until we chat again, have a blessed and powerful week.